Amazing. So this morning, I want to get stuck into a passage of Scripture. Many of you would have heard of these two characters, but I'm going to read the Scripture. It's an amazing Scripture. It's Matthew 1, verse 18 to 25. If you have your Bible, it's quite far to the front. It's in the New Testament. It's the first book of the New Testament. And it tells an amazing story, but I'm going to read it first, and then we're going to have a look at that. So if you have your Bible with you or your phone, I love the Rossi family. In the front row, phones out, Bible, the whole lot, ready to rock and roll. I like it. To our online congregation, if you don't have your Bible with you, don't stress. Take out your phone. Google it. Matthew 1, 18 to 25. It goes something like this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, another word that we would understand there is engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Come on. I love that line. He did it. He just did it. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. What we're going to do is we're going to look at three different portions of Scripture, but I want to start here and just give you a little bit of context. Now, Mary and Joseph... Um, in, the, in the Hebrew context, what, when they say the word betrothed, it was engaged, but it wasn't engaged in the sense where we kind of propose, get down on one knee, buy the most expensive ring we can't afford, and then what we do is we, we have that moment, and then we kind of go through an eight-month engagement where we plan a wedding. Actually, once someone had been betrothed in the Hebrew culture, it effectively meant that they were committed in marriage. And all that would happen uh, post that point is they would start preparing their home. So the husband would start preparing the home for the wife. He would build a house or the family would give them a home. And so so this meant that they were committed in marriage. They hadn't had the official ceremony, but they were committed to each other. And I don't know about you, but I read the Bible in a way where I go, I want to just understand this as if they were normal people. Now, to give you a bit of context, Mary and Joseph were scholars. You know, when you use the word scholars, people take you very seriously. Clever people think that... He, they were between the ages of 15 and 18 years old. So they would have been the Graham age group. They would have been on the Graham. It would have been Joe underscore Nazcarp for Nazareth Carpenter. Like that would have been his, his, his handle. Mary would have been at Mary Did You Know or something trendy and hip like that. Um, it just was, they were very, they were young people. They lived this life and was a little bit different, um, but they would have been posting photos of the sheep um, Joseph would have been making like next level tables and posting them and putting hashtag woodwork, hashtag the best ever, hashtag get yours now. And like that would have been their lives. They were young people. They found each other. People got married a little bit younger then. And so they were betrothed to each other and they were doing life. And as you can imagine, Joseph is pumped. When I was engaged, I was so excited. I was like, I have found the girl of my dreams. I'm going to get married. I'm going to get everything that comes with marriage, which is really exciting. Like, there's just this unbelievable excitement in the moment. 
And then, bear with me here, this is what the scriptures say. You find out that your fiance is pregnant. Now, when you read the scripture, it's very, very poetic. But I can imagine for Joseph, him going, excuse me? Just say that for me again. You are what? Pregnant. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. And there's this moment, I would imagine, of panic in him. He's like, I don't know what to do now. Delete the Instagram account, taking the photos of them off, like stressing about this moment. And then there's this thing, and, and I just want to give you that context. They lived in a small town, so everybody would have known about it. So there isn't just this, like, my fiance is now pregnant. There's this, everyone knows my fiance is pregnant. And I love it. It's just an honest account. It says Joseph didn't want to bring shame to her, and so he decided to divorce her quietly. It's quite honorable, actually. So I'm going to make an honorable decision. I love how God, because this is a divine encounter, God breaks in, the angel speaks to him, I love that line, and it's the reason I repeated it. And God and Joseph did what the angel of the Lord commanded. I love it. I love it. He's like, I'm in a, I'm in a tumultuous situation. I'm not too sure what's going on here. My fiance is pregnant, divorced. Everybody knows about it. What am I going to do? The Spirit of the Lord comes. He hears the voice of God, and Joseph obeyed God. And this morning, I want to preach a sermon titled, Rise Up. And there are three thoughts I want to share this morning. The first one is this, rise up in uncertainty. Rise up in the midst of uncertainty. Life changes. You are an incredible church. Life changes online. You're an even cooler church because you get to do this on a couch. But actually, I want to say rise up in uncertainty. You see, what's crazy about this is Joseph was uncertain about his future. Him and his fiance, soon to be wife, were pregnant with a child. Many people wouldn't have understood. They wouldn't have known. Joseph would have been uncertain about his future, uncertain about their finances. Would his parents still give them the money they needed to start their life? You don't know these questions, the answers to these questions. And I love actually that the Bible doesn't give you the answers. It just tells you that they were in an interesting situation. And you see the challenge is we are in a world right now that is filled with uncertainty. I was talking to my wife the other day and we've been, as many of you probably have in your homes, been trying to work out how you feel about COVID-19. I don't know about you, but for many, it's meant many different things, but there are some blanket realities for many people. And I think for many people, one of the biggest realities is an unbelievable sense of uncertainty. What is next? Where do we go next? When are we going to be able to go on that holiday we dreamed of going? When are we going to be able to buy that house that we've been planning to buy for 20 years? Where, and for some, it's far more real. For some, it's, I don't know where I'm going to get a salary next month. There's the sense of incredible uncertainty. And I want to challenge you to have the response that this incredible man, Joseph, had. You see, in the midst of uncertainty, he heard the voice of God and he rose up. He rose up. In other translations, it said, it doesn't say, and he, and he um, obeyed what the angel of the Lord had commanded. It said, and he rose up and obeyed. And I want to say to you today, I want to ask you the question, who holds your finances? Who holds your future? Who holds your next house? Who holds your next holiday? Who holds the school that your kids are going to go to? Who holds those things in his hand? Is it you? Because if it is you, then it's incredibly uncertain. But if it's God, then it's incredibly certain. It's incredibly certain. Why? Because we serve a God who is sovereign. That means He's in control of everything. All the time, he's, there's no surprises. 
But I think sometimes we quickly forget where we need to go for our answers. You see, uncertainty is not an enemy of the gospel. It is an opportunity of the gospel. Uncertainty means that I have to trust God. My wife and I have gone on an incredible um, adventure and we've been planning for the last couple of months, as many of you would have heard, um, we're planning to move to the UK. It's a faith adventure for us. We're going, we're, <laughs> we're very excited. We're not 100% sure what it's going to look like on the other side. But I just know that when we made the announcement, the following week, a whole bunch of things became a challenge. We had this, visas, this thing, that thing. All of a sudden, we made the announcement. I was gung-ho, excited, vup, uncertainty. What's going to happen in the UK right now with the COVID stats? Now, I realize there are far more intense things for many people, but this is our reality. Yeah. All of a sudden, uncertainty. When are we going to go? When should we book flights? What are, when, when, how, who, what? And so many of us are in that space, but unfortunately, we default to going to ourselves for the answers or to going to books for the answers or going to advice for the answers. And I want to tell you that when you rise up and hear the voice of God in the midst of uncertainty, it is an opportunity for the gospel. Let's rise up in our uncertainty. Let's throw off the chains that hinder us so quickly and trust God. I love the story. It carries on. Uh, so now you think it's complicated then. So he finds out his wife's pregnant. The voice of God comes. Then it gets even more interesting. If you want to open your Bibles, Matthew 2, 13 to 15. We're sticking in that narrative. To the online guys, jump up there. We're going to read this together. It says this. Now when they had departed, they were leaving. An angel, or um, a bunch of wise men came to visit them and it says this. Now when they had departed, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, rise, see we've got it in there. Take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child and destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. So there's this amazing moment where in the scriptures there's this, okay, you're having a baby. He's been born of the Holy Spirit. Faith, excitement. They are the, the savior of the world. And then he gets a word from God, go to Egypt. Now for many of us, we think, okay, jump in a car, go there. It'll take about half an hour, hide away. No, Egypt was 146 kilometers from where they were. They had no car. You read on and there's a bit of a lending toward the fact that they may have had a donkey to help carry their stuff. But they had a 146-kilometer walk because God had spoken that actually adversity was coming. And you see, if you want a God story, adversity will come. Challenge will come. When you say to a Jewish man, go to Egypt, do you know what they hear? They hear captivity. When you say to a Jewish audience, get and go to Egypt, they are hearing, go back to where you started. Go back to the beginning. Go back to that place where you were a slave. You can imagine the fear and trepidation as they begin this 146 kilometer couple of months journey to go back to a place that they feared and hated. But what is Joseph's response? And he rose up. And he rose up. I don't know about you, but adversity does not mean that God has left you. It means he is moving through you. 
If you are facing challenge, if you are facing trial, I want to tell you that it is an opportunity for heaven to break in. My second point today is rise up in adversity, life changes. Difficulty does not mean that God has left you. It means that there is an opportunity to see the kingdom of God come. If we, you read a little bit about this moment, is Joseph and Mary went to Egypt and they spent three years in Egypt. It wasn't like a quick visit. It wasn't a, hey, can you just pop over there for a couple of months, here it'll calm down and then come back. No, they had to flee. Their son's life was on the line. The savior of the world's life was on the line. And I love the fact that even though, and this is, this is a phenomenal thing for me, even though this adversity was coming, we know through the scriptures that God already knew the end. We know through the scriptures that God already knew the end because he had predestined Jesus to be the savior of the world. So why not just sort it out? Because he was taking Mary and Joseph on a faith journey. He's taking Mary and Joseph on a faith journey. Jesus was going to be fine. He was destined to die on a cross 33 years later. Jesus was going to be fine. Mary and Joseph needed to know the voice of God. Come on. Now I want to say to you that the Jesus, our Savior, is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. The Bible says that He was and is and is to come. Sir or ma'am, no matter what adversity you are finding yourself in the midst of, He has control of it. He knows the end of it. He has a future for you that is bigger than your future. In the midst of COVID-19, Jesus has a purpose for your life. In the midst of your job that you might be struggling with, Jesus has a purpose for your life. I don't know where you're at right now, but I want to say to you that no matter the adversity, God's calling you to fight a battle. You see, Mary and Joseph had to get in a donkey car. We'll call it the donkey car. They had to get in it, they had to pack their stuff, and they had to start a 146-kilometer journey. Some of us just need to get off the couch. I know that might sound hectic, might sound um, trite coming from a 26-year-old man, but actually some of us just need to rise up. Needs to be. I know I'm in the midst of this situation, but I trust God. You see, adversity is an opportunity for warfare, and warfare in the kingdom of God equals prayer. It means praying. It means trusting our Savior means, Jesus, you are bigger than my situation, even though it doesn't feel like that right now. I love Philippians 4. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. So what he's saying, what the Bible is saying there, what Paul's saying is, and then it says this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts. I don't know about you, but in the midst of adversity, I need a peace that surpasses all understanding. How do I get a peace that surpasses all understanding? I pray and give thanks. Simple. The Bible is so simple. The truths of God are so simple. But we've got to rise up. We've got to rise up. Number one, rise up in uncertainty. Number two, rise up in adversity. And number three, and this is a simple one, rise up in faith. I'm not, and there's, I love this, the last bit of scripture I want to read. It's in Matthew 2, 19. It says, but when Herod died, so three years hiding in Egypt. Herod dies. They're allowed to go home. You'd imagine they'd be like, oh, the trial's over. We're going home. We're going to go to the house that I'd started building for us. We're going to have a future together. It says, behold, when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. Amazing. Come on. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. 
But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judah in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth that was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. You see, in the midst of adversity, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of the trial, the purposes of God were fulfilled. The purposes of God were fulfilled. I want to say to you, sir or ma'am, no matter where you are, Mary and Joseph had a bigger future than they expected. They had a bigger future than even they could have imagined. They had a future dreamed up by God. And by them simply taking a detour, they fulfilled a promise that was made thousands of years ago. And the story of the Savior of the world began. I want to say to you today, don't stop responding to God. Keep rising up to the voice of God. Keep digging into the Scriptures. Keep giving yourself to the Word of God. Don't stop responding. Don't stop trusting God. The only voice that should be loudest in our lives is the voice of God. The voice of circumstance, the voice of situation, they get loud so quickly. Don't stop trusting God. Life changes online. Don't stop trusting God. And lastly, and this is a big one, don't stop obeying God. You see, the future of Mary and Joseph was a future designed by heaven, and they accessed that future through obedience. The angel of the Lord said, you're going to have a baby. They had a baby. The angel of the Lord said, go to Egypt. They went into adversity. The angel of the Lord said, go to Nazareth. They fulfilled the purposes of God. This couple changed the world because they heard the voice of God. And I want to end with this very simple scripture, and I love it. In Ephesians 5, Paul writes this. Can I ask us to stand as I read this? Paul writes this scripture. I love it because it bur- it, it, their fire in my heart starts to grow. It says this. In Ephesians 5, verse 14, it says, This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper! Oh, I don't know about you, but when I read that scripture, I'm like, Come on! Wake up, sleeper! Rise from the dead! I don't know about you, but excitement starts to grip my heart, and Christ will shine upon you. Maybe you've been sleeping. Maybe you've been scared. Maybe you've been fearful. Maybe you haven't known what the future looks like. I want to tell you that the Scriptures are true. They do not lie. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Let's close our eyes. Father God, I thank you for this room of incredible believers of Jesus Christ. I thank you, God, that your Scriptures say that no matter the circumstance or situation, you will bring the victory. You will bring the life. You will bring the opportunity. You will bring life, God. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, right now for every person in this room, for every person that has been sleeping, I speak those words, wake up. For every person that has been fearful, I speak those words, rise up. For every person that has been scared of adversity and uncertainty, I speak those words right now, rise up, God. I pray that courage would start to fill the hearts of our church. I pray, God, that courage in the midst of the most devastating year in a long time, you have a purpose and a plan in the middle of it, God. And so right now, Holy Spirit, as we respond in worship to you, King Jesus, I pray, Holy Spirit, that your church would rise up, would rise up, would rise up, King Jesus.